Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Holly. Dr. Allison Batchelder is here. Um, before we get started, I want to give a brief introduction about what we're talking about today. Um, Allison's going to know a lot more on this topic, so I'm going to be interviewing her, but this is going to be a really, really great conversation. One, because we talk a lot already. We are twin sisters. We're both psychologists and we both live in Seattle. We're also both new moms and we could talk about this for days, but we're going to do our absolute best to just share the most important parts. Um, and we're hoping that this resonates with you too. Uh, so let me kind of give the floor to my sister, Allison. We'd love to hear a brief introduction on who you are. Um, and then we'll just take it from there. So I'm Dr. Allison Batchelder. I have a private practice here in the state of Washington. And yeah, it's pretty full right now. So I'm really busy. But when I got my PhD, I kind of thought I would be more on the academic route, but I'm actually kind of doing both right now. So it's fun to talk about the research side of things. It's a nice little switch. Yeah, you're very clinically focused now. Um, um, but I know that you were really into research when we were both in grad school. So it's kind of cool to see this shift. So self-compassion is the topic for today. There's so many different avenues. I just wanted to make a note on how popular self-compassion has gotten since really in just the last 10 years. But I know Dr. Kristen Neff, right, coined this term way back in 2003, but it really doesn't feel like it got popular until 10 years ago. Um, I was just like re-looking at some of the timeline. 2010 is when Dr. Brene Brown's famous uh, TED Talk came out yeah. on vulnerability and shame. And so I really think that that was like a really big start to not just like wellness, but like destigmatizing mental health issues, but also getting really passionate about um, really about vulnerability and self-compassion mm -hmm. and it's become more mainstream. So yeah, when you started studying it, what were the things that stood out to you and, and really what drew you to self-compassion? Because I know it was on a different topic as well. Mm, yeah, well, it's a, I would say the most vulnerable, if we want to go there, way to answer that is would say I was experiencing a lot of my own imposter phenomenon in grad school and didn't feel like I was meant to be there. Felt like I was always wearing a mask, wasn't smart enough. And I had to practice some self-compassion myself. We knew, you know, be kind to yourself, be gentle on yourself. But it wasn't until I actually learned and studied it that I saw my barriers to it. And my focus on self-compassion really is heavily focused on high achieving perfectionism self-doubt, um, kind of along the lines of someone who feels like they're not good enough. And so there's a lot of different avenues to take with self-compassion. That was a little bit more my focus in my research. And I would say that, you know, you're not supposed to do me search to tell you that. Nope, no me search. But hey, like... Do they say no to that? I didn't know that was discouraged. I thought we, we just... It was like an unsaid thing, um, like sleep. Obviously, like I was so obsessed with uh, with sleep stuff, right? And I was dealing with my sleep issues. But I don't know. Unless your dissertation um, chair told you not to study something that affected you, because I can I can see why maybe it's too much. Um, you know, that's a really good point. I don't think I don't think anyone ever said don't do that. I think it was a kind of an unsaid rule. Honestly, when we started the PhD, Interesting. it was like. The research you do, don't make it too personal. Otherwise, everyone oh, has to yeah. <laughs> That's true. But also, I remember the saying, whatever whatever you choose for your dissertation topic, you're going to be sick of after oh, yeah. five years of yeah. it. Or even just like the last two years of working on it. Uh, 
Um, are you sick of this, of talking about self-compassion? I know you talk about it a lot, but can you get, are you sick of it? I think that this is always going to be a personal journey for me. I think I'm always going to be learning new things about what self-compassion means to me and to others and to my my patients and clients. So I, I don't think I can get sick of this. I think I chose the most amazing topic for me because wow, it's always different and it's always, Mm -hmm. it's always evolving. So no. And I guess it's so tailored per, for individuals, right? Mm -hmm. I've been really intrigued by how self-compassion is effective for some people, Mm -hmm. but not for others. I I think I'm like flabbergasted by the fact that it can't be helpful for everyone. Um, But there's still a lot of myths about self-compassion. Like, oh, if I'm self-compassionate, then I'm not going to ever get out of bed because I'm tired, whatever it might be. Could you address some of those? Because I'm yeah. I'm interested in why there's so much pushback against it. Maybe I'm thinking particularly about um, some men that I know who are like, oh, no, it's just about being tough. And, you know, of course, I'm going to be hard on myself. That's why I motivate myself. So, right. yeah, so curious about that and why it doesn't work, I guess, yeah. or why people think, are against um, it. A lot of us were raised to be hard on ourselves to get things done. I think we did it most of our entire lives, right? Only in the last five years did we practice to be kind mm-hmm. to ourselves. And even then, it's it's a challenge. But yeah, there's so many myths about how self-compassion, self-compassion is going to make us very complacent. It's going to make us lazy. You know, some really strong negative um, labels on ourselves yeah. that really essentially is just the fear that if we let ourselves off the hook, we're not going to get better. And I think one of the biggest flaws about that myth is that we're almost thinking that self-compassion is going to reduce our standards for ourselves when really it does the opposite. Self-compassion actually increases our standards for ourselves. It says, I love myself and know that I can do this. It's like this like extra like glitter on our lives to show like, yeah, I can do this. Like you're being your own inner cheerleader. So I think if anything, it does the opposite. It actually increases motivation. We see that directly that having self-compassion actually makes us reach our goals more than tough love will. And I think that the tough love, again, right, how you're raised, like like you said, really makes a big difference to maybe different cultural values. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even more extreme version of that is shame. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating, really, because it can work, but it works short term, Mm -hmm. right? Like the effects are pretty, pretty short, but most of us, will be compliant with shame mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. self-compassion has been shown to see like with, with at least what the data is showing to have longer lasting effects for growth and change yeah. and it feels like such a no-brainer mm-hmm. to go in that direction mm-hmm. but still I, there's like a lot of um fear is it because it's a a soft th- like it feels too soft are people mm-hmm. afraid that it's like um like they shouldn't they're not allowed to be soft with themselves I think so. How do people study it? At least when we look at the research, um, we do some qualitative research. People are worried about look. Yeah, it's mushy. It's it's soft. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you 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 said it. Like our modern society, our American society, is so individualistic, and it's like your success is based off of how hard you work. And if you're not successful, that's on you. It's your fault. It totally disregards like all the luck that has to happen for things to go well, and puts it all Mm -hmm. on the individual. And if you're kind to yourself, it almost like creates like a sense of embarrassment. Like I didn't work hard enough. Like it's, I was kind to myself. I was too soft. And we're just in a hustle culture right now. It's all about grinding. 
And I say it right now, but I mean, it's always been like that. That's capitalism, right? That's the patriarchy, mm. right? There's no time to rest because if you're resting, you look, it, it's, you look like yeah. you're on a train. Yeah. Also, yeah, there's, there's so much into that. Do you find in your, you know, clinical work that different generations or even just different demographics relate or are more likely to benefit from self-compassion focused therapy or just like, you know, integrating that into their mm-hmm. lives. Have you noticed any trends like that? I'm basically, I'm saying this cause I'm thinking mm-hmm. that Gen Z is so generation Z, man, you guys are so good at incorporating kindness to yourselves in your life too. And I'm, it makes me hopeful of course too, but have you noticed that as well? And yeah, um, I'll say this. Yeah. There's definitely differences with age and generations, but I'll say that the research is very clear. It's universal. It does age doesn't matter when it comes to self-compassion. It benefits everyone, but it's definitely harder for the older generations. There's there's definitely less motivation. And yeah, Gen Z, they're they're in the right direction for sure. Millennials, they're getting right. I think TikTok has been such a huge information source for people, uh, especially for people like me who want information quickly, but we know that we need to be careful, of course, on how we consumer information. Um, I could go on and on, but I guess what I'm saying is um, when when we get exposed to these concepts and it becomes normalized, um, there's a big cultural shift, right? Oh, talking to yourself like in a really mean way is not helpful. Please talk to yourself like you would to a friend, right? Like it just becomes more of a a shift. Um, but wanted to, I guess I want to transition back to another question I had about yeah. self-compassion, which is why do, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, why, why do girls like it more, I guess, than, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I can answer that, but I'm curious, is there research on, on okay. that? Okay. The research shows that girl, if we're going to say girls like or gravitate more towards practicing self-compassion it's simply because girls have higher self-criticism than men when it comes to the research so if we're looking at gender oh, okay men are naturally more self-compassionate than women already already yeah so i would say like women are naturally harder on themselves this is just you know this is very heteronormative and all that but when we looked yeah. at like a lot of these you know when the research started like 20 years ago um it was actually focused more on women like women need to practice self-compassion. Men weren't even like involved in the conversation as much because it almost looked like men didn't need it, you know, at that point, mm-hmm. because women were the ones who were, you know, talking about how hard they were on themselves. It was only till later we started to see yeah, men just had like more inner self-criticism. It just wasn't out loud. There wasn't that like self-loathing. So yeah, I would say if it shows maybe women are a little bit more comfortable talking about this and the stigma's mm-hmm. not as great, for women than it is for men but i wouldn't say that um i wouldn't honestly the gender differences are not as clear anymore i would say that mm-hmm. everyone's practicing self-criticism a lot lately <laughs> you, yeah i can say this you have been such a great advocate just for me obviously for for your clients and mm-hmm. for even our, our friends i've definitely said our family mm-hmm. our parents for sure um for being kind to ourselves, understanding our shared humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've learned, right, from our from our friends, even family, that not everyone needs to needs to make that a part of their life because it's actually natural for them. Yeah. Um, I think it like blew my mind that there's people out there <laughs> who never had to be 
taught not not to like beat themselves up if they make a mistake that they're like oops gonna try again tomorrow right I was like I thought everyone felt shame and guilt if they didn't do things right there's a lot of obviously research on perfectionism and how perfectionism can go too far also how healthy perfectionism is Um, that leads me to my question is is there such thing as too much self-compassion? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah, there is. But it's only for one very distinct population group. <laughs> so everyone okay. benefits from self-compassion. You can't overdo self-compassion. It's 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 a stable construct in which it's not like self-esteem where it's, you know, very contingent. Self-compassion is something that, you know, you practice this kindness towards yourself, but you're also you're not letting yourself off the hook. You're practicing Seeing yourself with clarity rather than protecting your ego and pride of what you do. Mm -hmm. So you can see your mistakes with clarity. You're not trying to hide under anything, right? Mm -hmm. Not trying to pretend it's not there. There's no avoidance going on with self-compassion. However, there is a group and that would be the group of people with very high levels of narcissism. And this group of people have very high self-esteem. It's very unstable. And increasing self-compassion is great for everyone. Like we know that. But if you're increasing self-compassion to the point where I'm not taking any accountability, that's different because now they're not really using self-compassion. They're using more self-esteem. And so I just want to make this really clear. Self-compassion for everyone is going to be beneficial, right? You're seeing everything with clarity. People with high levels of narcissism, we're talking people who are diagnosed narcissistic personality disorder, right? Like this DSM, you know, clinical mm-hmm. diagnosis from a licensed Not just, I not just saying someone who's just my ex has narcissistic personality disorder. Exactly. <laughs> self-diagnosed, right? Right. We're not talking about self-diagnosis here. We're talking about like, this is a real clinical issue that this person has. When they did self-compassion programs that benefited most people, it actually wasn't beneficial for them in the sense that they didn't take accountability. That's mm-hmm. all when it came to like abusive relationships. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I've, really I've thought about this. Yeah. I've thought about this before. I know like, again, I was thinking about maybe some people don't have a hard time. Maybe if they don't have a hard time being self-compassionate, right? So treating themselves with fairness and kindness, but they don't believe that other people deserve it. Perhaps people who've committed crimes, who've done maybe some of the worst crimes, like that person, you know, hurt someone or killed someone even. They don't deserve self-compassion because what if they do it again? Yeah, and, I want to be clear, also psychopaths and sociopaths too. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and this is, oh my goodness, I was just thinking about this and talking to a colleague of mine about this, which was psychopaths and or sociopaths or truly evil people um, are going to do what they're going to do regardless of shame or self-compassion, right? Um, If anything, if they're getting shame, slap on the wrist, whatever it might be, even going to jail for it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like self-compassion is going to make them do it more, if that makes sense, or or, or be worse or be bad. But shame might actually contribute to to that in the long run. It opens a whole other can of worms, of course, too, but I'm, I'm like... You know, obviously there's could be too much of anything, right? If we're just like only focused on this one thing, sure. But I'm just, I guess I'm just, you know, you're my sister. I'm always going to like try to be the devil's advocate, find other things. That's what's <laughs> yeah, fun about being sister. Yeah, let's, let's argue on air so everyone can hear our conflict resolution skills. <laughs> um, okay, so 
I'm aware of our time. I know time is coming up. Um, what are things about self-compassion? Uh, again, we're only talking about this one thing, right? Right. But what are things that you wish that our listeners, whoever they might be, wherever they might be, what do you want them to, to know about it? That it's everyone's own journey and someone's mm. journey with practicing self-compassion is not going to be the same as yours and kind of have to learn what's going what's gonna to stick with you, right? How are, can you relate to yourself in a more gentle way that's going to feel authentic to you? A lot of this is going to be unnatural. I think what I want people to know most when, pra- when starting to practice some love for themselves, it goes slow. Nothing, nothing really lands if it goes too fast, right? The body does not like anything going too fast. It's, that's mm-hmm. what happens with trauma. It's the same with healing and radical mm-hmm. acceptance. Go slow with your journey on practicing being kind to yourself. You know, there's sometimes a backdraft that happens anytime anyone who's ever started therapy and just unleashed and just mm-hmm. all their trauma can feel really exhausted after self-compassion mm-hmm. is very similar it can oh. it can create a lot of grief when we think about how hard we've been on ourselves throughout our entire lives um, and a lot of oh. anger and all of that is real and it's valid but with self-compassion we go slow we go really slow and we just figure out what's a better way i can relate to myself and my big thing is the easy easy route with this is how would I treat my best friend or someone I love? You know, how would I treat my dog if my dog was in this situation? Like, just like really subtle <laughs> stuff, Aww. you know? Like, we beat ourselves up so much, but we wouldn't do that even to the stranger at Trader Joe's, right? So we just want to just mm-hmm. kind of shift a little bit. Can I at least be a little neutral with myself on this, right? Rather than like shame myself so heavily because it's not getting mm-hmm. me anywhere. And I also, I also just think about making sure that we spend some time thinking about what our motivation is. But a lot of times that self-critical voice, it just loves us so much and just is trying to protect us and get us to where we want to be. It's mm-hmm. worked a lot. Let's be real. We've, we wouldn't keep doing something if it didn't work. It has worked, right? Being harder on ourselves has gotten us to get up, right? And get stuff done. It's just caused a lot more harm than good. And we want to get more to, we can do more good and less harm. It actually benefit the world. So yeah. That's my little bit. <laughs> wow. No, I can tell how passionate you are about this. And I know that we could talk more and more about this too, but I really loved the piece that you also shared about grief and also how beautiful it is to be on this journey. No, you know, mm-hmm. it's self-paced. It's so important to work with, uh, with a therapist, of course, or just someone that you love and trust right, while going through this journey. Um, and it takes time, right? Yeah. So we're out of time and I would love to hear what are some of your favorite resources. We'll definitely add links on anything you don't mention. Um, but do you have a like favorite resource? Where can our listeners find you online and DM you, ask you questions more about this? I I think the best resource is selfcompassion.com has a bunch of exercises. I really like like self-compassionate letter. You know, you write to yourself. It's really sweet. Uh, there's meditations on there too. I'll just have clients just listen to it. Like when they're <laughs> brushing their teeth, they're taking a shower, nothing has to be like super formal or anything. It's just like getting exposed mm-hmm. to this, but yeah, selfcompassion.com is probably just the good go-to, you know, any meditation, right. yoga practice, you can be taking a mindful self-compassion walk, right? There's, it can come out in so many different ways. There's no one size fits all with practicing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback, what you thought about this. Please leave us um, a note or comments. We are really passionate about this work and we hope to continue doing this for you all. Um, we hope you have a great day and be kind to yourself. Yeah. Bye. Bye.